Well, hey, good morning, everybody. How are we doing today? Good. Glad to have you here joining us in person. Just want to say welcome to all those who are watching online, both now or later. It's just good to have you. What we're talking about today, uh, I'm just going to be honest with you, just right out of the gate. Usually I get up, I say I'm excited, I'm pumped, I'm amped. I, I come up with all these different synonyms for the same word of just I'm exploding inside and I can't wait to tell you. Uh, today I don't have any of those. I'm just not excited about our topic. Uh, our topic is this, and I wanted to put it up here. Uh, just letting you down easy, okay? Here it is. Today we're talking about worship over worry. Uh, today we're talking about anxiety. We're talking about depression. We're talking about stress. We're talking about feeling overwhelmed, and none of these give me energy. <laughs> In fact, knowing I have to preach about anxiety gives me anxiety. I'm just not excited about it. And uh, I'm just going to be honest with you, the reason, part of the reason why I'm just not excited to dive into some of this today uh, is because anxiety has played a significant role in my own life, a significant one. I mean, even this week, I mean, I know a little bit about anxiety, not nearly to the extent as others in our church, others in my spheres or uh, circles, but man, I know anxiety to be crippling. I know it to be dominating. I know it to be unforgiving and unrelenting. And so we're gonna dive in a little bit to some of, these, some of these topics of worry, stress, anxiety, depression, and somehow we're gonna try to connect worship in the midst of that. And so to do that, I, I am excited. We're in a really unique time right now just with COVID and the effects of COVID, the effects of the shutdown, the effects of isolation and quarantine. And so regardless of where you're at, there's this topic right now is one that a lot of people are dealing with. This is one that's stressful and it's hard for people to, to not, not necessarily know where to go or what to do with a lot of pent up emotions or dysfunctions or brokenness that maybe they've carried for a long time. But this season, a season of struggle has a way of bringing out what's been buried deep within. Whether it's for years or decades, whatever it may be, a lot of people right now, and I just have to tell you this, from a ministry standpoint, a lot of people are struggling right now. A lot of them. I was reading an article this last week, um, not necessarily an article, but like a, a document from Pine Rest, uh, a, a local mental health institution here in Grand Rapids that said, right now, because of the effects of the quarantine and the shutdown and the virus and the fear that's going on, uh, those who would normally be at risk of suicide are actually, it, it's, it's up 30%. This is something not just our church, not just our area, not just us as individuals, but this is something that us as a people are really dealing with and struggling right now. And here's what's important. I believe God has something to say to us in this moment. And so maybe that's for you, maybe that's for somebody else you're married to, maybe that's for a kid or a family member or a parent, maybe it's for a teacher or a classroom, whatever it may be, we're all surrounded by different people right now who are struggling, and here's the thing I would tell you, this is why I tell you all of this up front, there's a good chance that if I didn't tell you, you'd never know. And that's probably true for a lot of other people in our, in our spheres of influence, in our context. 
Um, we're going to dive in, and I'm actually excited about what I believe God has to offer for us today. So if you have a Bible, please grab your Bible, open it up. We're going to have the words on the screen here, but if you're taking notes, we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 1, and it starts like this in verse 4. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Penina and to all her sons and daughters, but to Hannah he gave a double portion because he loved her, and the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Her husband Elkanah would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you so downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than 10 sons? You gotta love the typical husband response at the end, right? Aren't I enough for you? Don't I solve all of your problems? I just wanna set this up. I mean, so Elkanah, Elkanah is the man in this relationship and he has two wives, Hannah and Penina. And, and so this is in the Bible and, and it's a detail that I need to address, but I'm gonna address it this way. Um, Elkanah is a man with two wives. Who wins in that situation? I'm gonna give you a hint, nobody, nobody. It's not a win for Elkanah, it's not a win for Penina, and it's certainly not a win for Hannah as we're seeing, as, as we're starting to unpack the story. And there's more details as to why he had two wives. One of the most main reasons, particularly for this point of history and this point of Bible history too, is there was immense value given to the man in a relationship that could produce an heir to continue on the family name and to continue on the family business and the family property. It was so significant that if a man was married, and in this case he was married to Hannah, if his wife could not produce a child, he would marry again in order to continue the family line. What do you think that felt like for Hannah? I mean, you can hear some of this. Hannah and Penina, right? Two wives that share a husband are at each other, but what we're seeing, it's Penina at Hannah. She is ripping on Hannah, beating on Hannah, provoking her to the point that the symptoms are no longer internal, but they become external. This is the situation that we're, that we're at. So Hannah, heartbroken, overwhelmed, worried that her value, her identity, of which is attached to being able to produce a son for her husband, she cannot, and her identity and value as a person is taking a hit as a result. I may hate this topic that we're talking about, but I love this story because of what God intends to do through the situation. It's so good. Let's keep reading. 1 Samuel 1, verse 9. It says this, Once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. Eli was the priest, and so he's sitting at the temple. He's outside, and it says, Hannah came up to the temple. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. And no razor will ever be used on his head. That last part is speaking to like, there, there's this vow that they would make, that people would make, that if they would never shave, they would be considered part of the Lord's servant. So Han Hannah is praying 
weeping bitterly. I mean, look at some of these words. It's easy to miss this if you're just reading in black and white. So I wanted to highlight some of these. In her deep anguish, weeping bitterly. In her misery, feeling forgotten. You ever been there? I mean, just you, you and God. I mean, I told you even at the beginning, a lot of times it's what you see up here isn't what is reality or reality in here, but maybe for you, is that ever true? That just, you come before the Lord and you're just broken. That you're stressed, that you're overwhelmed, that you're anxious, that you can't do anything. God, here's what I'm asking you for. It's just, it's weighing on me and it's starting to cripple me and it's affecting me. It's affecting how I think. It's affecting how I feel. It's affecting who I'm married to. It's affecting my family and my work. It's literally affecting everything and causing chaos. God, here is where I am at. Have you been there? Have you been there recently? Maybe take it one more step. Has someone in your life who's close to you or who matters to you been there recently? Earlier this week, uh, I was heading over to uh, just a gentleman's house in our church. I love this man. He's just, he's a great friend and mentor. And so as I was driving out, we had scheduled this meeting last week and I'm driving over and I remember thinking on my way over, I don't have anything to offer to this conversation. Because my own feelings of anxiety, my own feelings of being overwhelmed, my own feelings uh, that I'm trying to deal with and I'm trying to sort through things that you wouldn't know about, but I'm, I'm driving over saying, Lord, I have nothing. I have nothing. And I mean, I, I, I'm ashamed to get up here and tell this to you, but it kind of comes with the job sometimes. About halfway through our meeting, he looks at me and he says, David, can I just pray for you? I say, Sure. And so we close our eyes and we bow our heads and he begins praying for me and, and saying words like failure, saying words like let down, saying words like, like burden. And as he's praying, he is identifying the brokenness deep within my heart to the point I can't control it and I just start weeping. Have you been there? Have you been there recently? Let's keep reading. Psalm 51, verse 17, was a verse that this gentleman shared with me as he was praying. And it said this, it says, My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, you, God, will not despise. I was just sharing with him, I don't bring anything to the table right now other than this. This brokenness. This stress, this anxiety. And what he reminded me is that God invites that. God welcomes that. In, in fact, God asks us to bring that to him. How do you pray? How do you pray to the Lord? You know, as I've thought about this a lot just in preparation for this week, uh, there's not a lot to my prayer life usually. Uh, let me articulate that a little bit. Here's kind of my format or my outline when it comes to prayer. Lord, 
I just want to say thank you for all the things that you've given me. And I, and I spend some time, I just identify, thank you, thank you for the gift of this job, thank you for the gift of this wife and, and my son, and thank you for my family, thank you for my health, thank you. God, th- I mean, I just start articulating, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I go down this list of everything I can think of that I'm just so grateful to the Lord for. And then I transition to the next piece of my prayer life, and it goes something like this. Uh, Lord, here's what I need. Get ready. You have a pen? You have a pencil? Something? There's a couple things. Here's what I need from you, Lord. Uh, I need this. I need that. And, and I just begin unpacking. Here's where I'm at, God. This is what I need, and you can provide. So if you would give me this, if you would start providing, if you would send it my way, if you would answer my prayer, Lord, I would just be moved to worship you. And then I close, probably like a lot of you close. I, I say this, in Jesus' name, Amen. That's, that's kind of the consistency of my prayer life as I've evaluated it this last week. Do you know how Hannah prays in our story? It goes like this. Lord, I got nothing. I'm so broken. I'm so hurt. I'm so overwhelmed. I'm so anxious. I feel like nothing. I feel like a failure. I feel like I've let down those closest to me. I feel like I've let you down. I am so sorry. Would you meet me here? And then she goes on to say, Lord, even if you give me, if you give me what I'm asking you for, I'll give it back. I am inspired by that type of prayer. Because here's what Hannah's articulating. Here's what Hannah's saying. Lord, it's not about what you can give me that I'm after. It's about the fact that I'm chasing you. It's not about the end for her. It's about the person that she's running to. And friends, when I pray, I mean, you heard it just as I articulated it. it. My worship is often defined by God's response rather than by God's identity. And Hannah has discovered this secret that's so important that will actually change our lives, change our relationship with each other, and most importantly, change our relationship with God is Hannah has figured out how to worship God in the midst of her worry, of her suffering, and of her pain. How in the world do we do that? (laughs) But I think it revealed something about Hannah's heart. See, we all run to different things when we're feeling overwhelmed or feeling stressed or feeling anxious. We all run different places. And so just like I started at the top with this whole COVID season and, and following COVID and the response and the quarantine and now the working from home for so many people, schools trying to come up with their plan of here's our, our plan for re-engagement and bringing people back, churches, I mean, you name it. There are so many different things that are at play that can actually have significant side effects in ways that we would never know. We never experience unless we look deep down within us or if we start inquiring deep down within those around us. And so in struggle, seasons of struggle are so funny. Seasons of struggle, we learn so much about ourselves based on what we do in the struggle. Right? Here's some of the things. I just wanted to write these down. Because of social distancing, it's created this problem called isolation. Because of uh, susceptible populations, people who are at higher risk, it's created fear. Because of quarantines, right, being shut down, totally individualized, it has increased depression. 
PTSD, anxiety, insomnia, anger, and other mental health effects. Those who have had pre-existing mental health diagnoses are already at higher risk. So all we're seeing is the after effect over and over and over and over. And so in seasons of struggle, different people run to different things. What are some of those things that people run to? Drugs and alcohol. That's a good starting place. But you might say, uh, that's not me. I don't, I don't struggle with drugs and or alcohol. Uh, what about TV, entertainment, social media? Here's some other ones. Food, relationships, pornography, affairs. In seasons of struggle... We as people often run to things to either try and make them better or to try and make us feel better. So people right now in our world are running to all of these different venues trying to find relief, trying to find hope, trying to find pleasure because what they're actually dealing with, let's change the, the word there, what we are actually dealing with is so much deeper that these surface or superficial things can't fix. Here's my question to you. What are you running to? Let me ask it a different way. Where do you spend your time right now? As we think about that, maybe this week or this month or the last couple months, what has changed in your schedule? What has changed in your free time? What has changed in your relationships? Have things gotten better or have things gotten worse? What are you running to as an individual? I think many of us run towards things to fix it. But I think if we're really honest, there's a deeper layer there. I think also there are some things that we hide from, that we resist, that we ignore, that we distance, and we separate ourselves from. Does God have something for us in this season that maybe we've been unaware of till now? That's the question I just, I'm sitting with. Let's read this here. 1 Samuel 1, verse 19. It says, Early the next morning they arose and worshiped before the Lord, and then they went back to their home at Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife Hannah, and the Lord, say it with me, remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant, gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. Here's why I love this story, is Hannah reveals her heart to us, right? Scripture says, here's her heart. She was burdened. She was heavy. She was tired. She was anxious. She, she brings her worry. She brings her brokenness. She brings her pain to the foot of the Lord, and she just lays it all out for him. And her heart, in, in her prayer, shows us, God, I care much more about you and our relationship than whatever it is you could give me to alleviate my pain right now. She revealed something about her heart, and so God, in his mercy, in his grace, in his goodness, does this. I'm going to show you part of my heart, Hannah, that your womb, which was closed before, I will open it, and I will give you the gift 
of a son. I think there's an important truth here, and the the truth is life as a follower of Jesus, it's this. Oftentimes, we do not realize the invitation God is giving us and how he will use it for his purposes for years, decades, or centuries to come. So oftentimes we play a very temporal game. We play, we play the game that's about right now, here, this life. But what God plays is, no, 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 I'm playing long term. I'm playing end goal. I'm playing eternity. And so God gives Hannah an invitation. And it's the same type of invitation that he gives us, but it, it comes a little bit different way. God says, I'm going to give you a son. And you can imagine Hannah as she starts feeling the baby growing, as she starts feeling the baby kicking, I mean, what would happen in your own heart if you finally are receiving the thing that you had begged God for for years? Would you be tempted to keep it? Would you be tempted to resist, fight, renege, run away? What what would your temptation be if you finally get what you've been after. I think when we truly go after what God, what only God can give us, we miss what he truly desires to give us. Let me say that one more time. Let me read it one more time. When we only go after what God can give us, we can miss what he truly desires to give us which is himself. There was a prayer that asked God for a son. But the answer to prayer was so much better than just a son. It was an invitation. It was God saying, I see you. I hear you. I feel you. I'm with you. I'm going to do something about it. God moves back in the direction of Hannah. But here's what's so important. Hannah still decides, go back to her prayer, Hannah still decides to worship in the midst of her worry. Hannah still decides to worship in the midst of her worry. Her worship was not attached to God's response. I got to be honest with you, that is a struggle for me. It is so hard, and, and I think about this. We, we pray for you every time you come in, every Saturday night, every Sunday morning. We pray for you knowing that you're coming. Not knowing you specifically, but God knows you're coming, and so we pray for you. We pray for you watching online and listening later. We pray that God would move and God would speak, but here's what I know about us. Here's what I know about me. I always bring stuff in with me. Fears, anxieties, pressures, stresses, Sin, baggage. I, I, I bring this stuff. It's like, man, if I could shake it, I would shake it. But I often bring it in with me in, in a church context. And it is so hard sometimes to worship when that is still unresolved. And yet here's Hannah modeling what it looks like to worship in the midst of her worry. You might relate to 
one of these statements. You might relate to every one of these statements, but thinking about our world right now, thinking about where we're at, just as a church, as a nation, as the world, as people here, you may identify with some of these. You might say, right now, I'm worried about COVID. I'm still worried that I'm at risk, right? I, I have a higher risk of contracting or, or suffering the consequences of dying of this. You may say, I'm coming in here with fears and worries about this virus. Maybe you would say this. Maybe you're like, I'm not, I'm not worried about that. But what I am worried about is election day in November. Here's what I'm worried about. I'm worried about maybe not even who's going to win, but the after effects of whoever wins the election. Maybe you might say this. Uh, I'm worried about the stock market. My retirement. My plan. Maybe you'd say, I'm worried about my marriage. That's struggling that's falling apart. Maybe the marriage of somebody close to you. Maybe you're worried about your kids. Maybe you're worried about your parents, your neighbors, your coworkers. Maybe this, maybe you're worried about your job right now. Maybe you're worried about your next doctor's appointment. Or maybe this one, I've, I've heard this one a bunch just in the last couple weeks. Maybe you're worried that Jesus is coming back. Maybe that has induced worry, fear, anxiety in you. Can I just address that? You don't have to worry. You don't have to worry. What God has said, and we just sang so many songs about it this morning, I am the rock that you can put your feet on. I am a sure and solid and strong foundation. I love what it says. This is Philippians chapter four, verse six. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Here's why I love this Hannah story. I just love this story. As she goes before the Lord and she prays and she said, God, here's the thing that I want. Here's the thing that I need. I need you to acknowledge me, see me, give me value. Give me, give me anything, Father, right now. That, that Give me a son. Lord, if you just give me a son, I'll know you see me. I'll know you hear me. I'll know you care about me. I'll know you love me. Lord, here's what I'm asking for. And this is God's response. God says, I'm not going to just give you a son. I'm going to give you my son. And his name is Jesus. The same gift that God offered Hannah, God also offers us. I see you. I hear you. I feel your pain. I'm with you in it. I know your sin. I know your shame and I'm gonna do something about it. In fact, I'm gonna give you the gift of my son, Jesus. Here's how this story ends. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 24. It says, after he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. 
When the bull had been sacrificed, they brought the boy to Eli, and she said to him, Pardon me, my Lord. As surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. She said, Remember back when? Remember me? I was a mess. I'm back. God gave me what I asked for. I prayed for this child. The Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life, he will be given over to the Lord. And he, say it with me, worshiped the Lord there. Hannah didn't realize it at the time. But this little boy that God gave her named Samuel would play an extraordinarily significant role in the life and history and leading up to the entrance of the Messiah provided by God himself. Samuel became a prophet of the Lord. God would speak to his people through Samuel. Samuel anointed the first king of Israel, King Saul. And when Saul's heart turned against the Lord, God said, I've identified another man, another man to lead my people, another man to intercede on their behalf. I've identified a man and he's not who you would think. He's not who the world would see, but his name is David. And so Samuel anointed not just the first king of Israel, but the second king of Israel. And out of that line, King David, came a person named Jesus. The story that God had invited Hannah to be a part of was huge. But it wasn't about the son that she had asked for. It was about the son that God intended to provide. The same invitation to be a part of a story like that is for us right now, in this day and age, in our world, our context, with our people. This is what God is inviting us. Hannah never realized the depth of significance of which God invited her to be a part of, and she brought only brokenness. So wherever you're at today, whatever you're bringing, whatever you're struggling with, maybe it's anxiety, maybe it's fear, maybe it's stress, maybe it's guilt, maybe it's infertility like Hannah had, maybe, maybe it's longing, maybe it's worry for a family member, worry for your health, worry for your kids, worry for school and schedules, whatever it is that you bring, my invitation to you today is I believe God's invitation to you today. And that's just to lay it down at his feet. Let me ask you this question. What are you asking of God right now? It's a very straightforward question, but I, I've struggled to answer it right away. So I just want you to think for a second, what, what is it right now? If you were in the throne room of God and you went up to him and, and he said, what would you like for me? What, what would you ask? And then here's my second question. Has it impeded your worship? Has it gotten in the way? Has it intersected? interrupted, stopped your worship. I want to invite you as we close with this last song to lay your request at his feet and to worship him before the resolve, before the diagnosis, before the outcome, before you know the answer, before God moves 
I want to invite us right now. I want to invite you to stand up if you're in the room. If you're watching online, I want to invite you to the same thing. Let's stand up right now. I'm going to pray for us, and then I want to invite you to worship in the midst of your worry. Lord, we come before you right now, all of us bringing different things, all of us bringing different struggles, all of us bringing different fears, all of us bringing different sin, different shame. But Father, what you see is the beauty of your creation, and that's us. And Father, we know the desire of your heart is to, to take care of your children, to remind them that they are loved, to remind them that they are valued, to remind them that, that they are worth everything to you. Father, whatever is weighing us down right now, I just pray that we would take a second here and just share it with you. Father, this is what I'm asking of you. Lord, you've heard your requests. And regardless of what you do with those, God, what we want you to receive from us is this gift of worship for who you are, for what you've already done for us, for who you've already gave up for us in Jesus, and for what you promise us, and that is eternal life only through him. Father, we give you our hearts, we give you our lives, we give you our worries, and now we give you our worship. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name.